Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 166, 10 super simple tricks for speeding up your podcasting workflow. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast where I teach you how to launch or improve your podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. In the last couple episodes, I've been talking about podcasting workflow. In episode 164, I talked about the pre-flighting checklist for all of the things, 20 different things in total, uh, actually more than 20 things, for you to check off before you start podcasting. It's a list of about 80 or 90 different items for you to check. And you can now get that very easily in downloadable form PDF where you can check mark it in your PDF reader because it's designed as a form or you can print it out and check mark the items for you and it prints nicely on a single page. You can sign up for that by joining my email newsletter list and you get that PDF for free and it's emailed back to you automatically within the hour. You can sign up for that over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash preflight. That's P-R-E-F-L-I-G-H-T. And then in the last episode, number 165, I talked about the podcasting workflow from having nothing whatsoever to a finished, completed episode published and publicized to your followers and then being able to watch it grow. In this episode... I want to focus in on that podcasting workflow and share with you some super, almost dead simple tricks for speeding up your podcasting workflow, but some things that you may not have thought about, some things that are maybe irritating you along the way as you work with your podcasting workflow, and certain things that you may not just have thought to change. Like Some of these took me, honestly, they took me more than a year for me to get around changing these things or setting up certain things and then realizing, wow, why didn't I do this sooner? This is no longer as annoying as it used to be. I no longer have to spend more time to do this other thing. So I have for you 10 super simple tricks for speeding up your podcasting workflow. And if you want to follow along, you can check out the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 166. I'll give you this list of 10 items first before we get into detail. Number one, change file associations. Number two, use an FTP client for uploading podcast media. Number three, use templates. Number four, make macros and droplets. Number five, work in mono. Number six, use text expander or phrase express. Number seven, paste without formatting. Number eight, write show notes directly in WordPress. Number nine, create bookmarks favorites, and shortcuts. And number 10, learn or customize keyboard shortcuts. Now, let's get into some nitty-gritty details. Number one, change file associations. The file association is what sets what happens when you double-click a file. For example, most people who have iTunes or some kind of media player like iTunes installed on their computers, when they double-click an MP3 file, it opens in that program. Maybe it's VLC, maybe it's iTunes, maybe it's Windows Media Player, maybe it's something else completely different. But most of the time it opens in an MP3 player of some sort. So your file association is setting what program opens that kind of file 
by default when you double click on it. Sure, in most operating systems, you can right click on a file and say that you want to open this particular file with a different program, or you can drag that file onto the other program icon, different things like that. Sure, you can do those things, but that takes time. We're looking at ways that we can speed up your podcasting workflow. And this is a big one. This is one that took me more than a year to set because I use the program ID3 Editor from pa-software.com for tagging all of my MP3 files. And what I would have to do before is I would have to launch ID3 Editor and then drag my MP3 file into it, or I would right-click on the MP3 file, wait for the Open With menu to pop up, which usually takes a few seconds, and then click Open in ID3 Editor, or different things like that. Well, what I did, super simple. I just changed the file association so that when I double-click an MP3 file, it opens an ID3 Editor. For me, that's all I really need an MP3 file to do because I'm on OS X, so when I have an MP3 file selected, I can press the space bar to get the quick preview or quick look feature so I can hear what's in that MP3 file. If I need to edit it or anything else, I can put it in its appropriate place. But what I do now most of the time with an MP3 file is I want to edit the ID3 information. So it makes perfect sense for me to set that as the double click. A couple other examples of things that I have in my workflow that I've changed what they open in is .wav and .aif files now open directly in Adobe Audition, my audio editor of choice. You may want to use Audacity or GarageBand or something else like that. So you could set that to be the default for these so that when you double click that, it opens in that. It could even be Levelator. You could set something like that or any other process or program that you want to open those files so it simplifies your workflow. I also have .php, .css, and .xml files open in sublime text. That's where I get into my geeky side for PHP development, web coding, web design, and fixing RSS feeds and such. .mp4 files I set to open in VLC. That's the Video Land client. It's a free video and audio player that plays just about anything and works on just about everything. So I set that for there, but I set .mov files to open in Adobe Premiere Pro. The reason I did that is I don't download QuickTime movies very often to watch. Actually, I would say never. Back in the old days, when of my old days anyway, when I had limited access to high-speed internet, and that was while I was at work or at a friend's house, I didn't have high-speed internet at home. I only had dial-up at home. I would download videos I want to watch and then watch them later at home. And those would be QuickTime videos usually, and I'd keep a collection of these things. Now there's YouTube, and now I'm on high-speed internet too, so I can just stream it from YouTube. But the .mov files are what my video camera, which I use a Canon T4i digital SLR camera as my video camera for recording podcast episodes with video or special tutorials, promos, and such. It gives me a .mov file, and I want to open those in Adobe Premiere Pro. Because most likely now, if I'm going to double-click a .mov file, it's because I want to edit it in something, and that would be Adobe Premiere Pro. So it's pretty easy to set your file associations in your operating system. For OS X, you just right-click on the file and click Get Info, and then change the Open With to whatever your preferred program is. But very important, after you do this, then click the Change All button. So that way it sets the default 
so that that particular kind of file will always open in that program. In Windows 7 or 8, go to your control panel, then the control panel, uh, home, default programs, set associations, and in there you'll see a full list of all of the different programs. So you find the type that you want to change, click the change program button, and you can change it right there. Or you can right-click on the file and go to Properties, then the General tab, change the type of file, and choose a program to open for that type of file. For Linux, I have the instructions in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 166 if you want to change those file associations. But think of anything where you don't normally open a particular file in another program and set the double-click operation to use whatever program it is that you actually want to use. Like in my case, that's ID3 Editor for MP3 files. That's number one, change of file associations. Number two, use an FTP client for uploading podcast media. Depending on the media host you use, it may be much faster to upload to that media host by using an FTP client instead of going through their website. There are certain circumstances where it's actually better to go through the website, but Libsyn is one case where it's not only a little bit faster in the workflow way, but it's also even a little better to upload through FTP. FTP stands for File Transfer Protocol, and it's a common way to upload media to websites and such. And if you want a free FTP client, the two that I recommend are either CyberDuck or FileZilla. Both of those are free, and both of those work on most operating systems out there, and they, they work pretty well. I prefer, between these two, I prefer CyberDuck because it's a bit cleaner of an interface. But FileZilla is also very common, and there are others that you may find or purchase. When you upload to Libsyn, and to get your Libsyn FTP information, you can log into your Libsyn account, and it will use your email address and password, and it tells you in your Libsyn account what the URL is that you'll need to connect to as the FTP server. But when you connect, you'll see a few different folders in your Libsyn account, like Dropbox, Assets, QuickCast, and Public. I recommend that you take a fully tagged MP3 file and drag it into that QuickCast folder inside of Libsyn. This does some great things for you. This will read the title, description, and any other meta information from the ID3 tags. And this is the only way to make Libsyn do this for you. It reads that and assigns that as a post for your file. So it gets the title from your ID3 tags title. It gets the content from the description field of your ID3 tags. And it sets this as a regular post, not as file for download only, which I do not recommend you do. And really, you shouldn't use on Libsyn unless that's really all you want. Even if you're running your RSS feed through somewhere else, if you're working with Libsyn as your media host, it's best to upload as a post, not file for download only, because then you can show up in the Libsyn app, you can show up in the Facebook app, and all of these other places too that Libsyn works with, like podcast, the uh, podcast.com directory that Libsyn runs is also, uh, this is how you would get there by uploading as a post, not just as file for download only. So do not do that unless it's something like your podcast cover art or something else like that. So when you upload to the QuickCast folder through FTP, it's doing all of this stuff and making the file public automatically for you. That's all in one step. 
If you did this through the website, you'd have to do a lot of clicking around. You'd have to do some typing or copying and pasting. And you'd it would take so much more time to do it that way. By the way, if you need to replace a file on Libsyn through FTP, you drag it, if it's already uploaded, you drag it to the Dropbox folder. These other folders, like the Dropbox folder, for example, puts it in your FTP Dropbox, but then you need to publish it through the Libsyn website. And the public is kind of the immediate file for download only option, but it doesn't do all this fancy stuff that the QuickCast folder does, like reading the ID3 tags, which you can only get by uploading through FTP. So consider setting up, especially if you're using Libsyn, consider setting up an FTP client for uploading your media to Libsyn instead of going through the website and going through all of these steps and processes to upload it that way. That's number two, use an FTP client. Number three, use templates. I've talked before in past episodes about using the WordPress plugin Simple Content Templates. It used to be called Simple Post Templates. This will create a template inside of WordPress so that you can start any post or a page now from a particular template. This is great for my Once Upon a Time podcast where every post always includes something in different locations and instead of having to copy and paste from old posts and manage that content that's a great way to work with it but that's not the only way that you could consider using templates in your workflow consider some of this you could prepare a template in your favorite note-taking app like Evernote or Workflowy or Google Drive and duplicate that template note or template file into a new file So that's where you start taking your notes for your podcast or for whatever it is you're working on. You can also make some production templates in your audio or video editor of choice. Now, the the level of automation with these templates will range with the apps that you use. Like, for example, in Audacity, there isn't really a template feature, but what you could do is you could make a project that already includes your intro and your outro music roughly near the beginning and roughly I mean at the beginning and roughly near the end of your audio and then you just adjust the timings as necessary that's one way of making a template inside of audacity in adobe audition you can have a project template a multi-track project template where you have specific tracks that apply specific track effects automatically for you this is one of the things that drew me to using adobe audition instead of audacity i have a link in the show notes for episode 166 if you want to learn more about some of the other reasons why I changed from Audacity to Audition. But I have, in my own template, I have a track for my audio. I have a track for my recorded sounds, like my intro and outro music and sound clips. And I have tracks for my guests if they send me a separate recording and we do a a double ender. And I have a track for imported audio. So each of these are filtered and differently and use different effects but i don't have to apply those effects every single time because the track already has it applied it's a template and if i need an extra copy of a track like i realize i have three guests as a double ender or would that be a quadruple ender i can then just duplicate that one guest track and then rename it for the other guests and put their audio in those separate tracks so it's it's a template But you could also have a design template for any kind of images that you use, like using your particular fonts, uh, colors, or layout. So this could be for your episode level images or any kind of images that you repeat, especially for your 
cover images for things like YouTube videos or screenshots or anything like that, if you have a particular pattern you like to use, consider saving a quote template unquote file that you can use as a starting point for making these different designs. There are also things like templates for interview requests or feedback responses or business opportunities that you could have something that you've written out ahead of time and you use that as your template when you contact these places or respond to different pieces of feedback. This is hugely helpful if you deal with a lot of email that follows the same basic pattern. You can just use these templates. And some effects and processes actually let you save presets as well. So you don't always have to remember what that particular settings were, that collection of settings was that you use for uh, the hard limiter effect, for example. You could just save that as a preset. Or in Audacity, you can't really save presets, but you can save an effect as part of a chain and that chain can include whatever settings are in the effect. So it's it's like a preset then in Audacity. Adobe Audition, Premiere Pro, Logic, these let you have presets saved for the different tools that you use and individual tools or a collection of tools you use. So that's number three, use templates. Number four, make macros and droplets. There are many different names for this kind of process, but it's Essentially, when a program lets you record a set of actions that you can then have it run for you in some particular chain or a process. In Audacity, these are called chains. It's not quite recording what you do, but you can set up a chain of actions and processes, steps that you want it to take on your audio, selected audio or all of your audio. In Adobe Audition, you record these as favorites. In Photoshop, if you've ever worked with actions, this is what this basically is. It's a macro. And many other programs have similar names or different names for these kinds of things, but it's where you can either record your actions or define a set of actions to be taken on your selection or on your entire track, and it will apply those. Some programs will even let you turn these macros into a miniature program, often called a droplet, that will let you drag and drop a file onto that icon for some kind of quick processing. For example, these are some of the droplets I've created in the past or still use today, like converting wave audio from stereo to mono or encoding a WAV file to an MP3 file, converting PNG to JPEG, or sequentially renaming files, uploading to FTP, applying a template to of effects to a particular file, and much more. Like when I told you about uploading to Libsyn with an FTP client, I don't actually use an FTP client. Like, I don't load an FTP client. I have an icon in a folder on my computer called Tools, and I drag my MP3 file onto that icon, and that's all I have to do, and then it uploads that file to the QuickCast folder on Libsyn. So I don't even have to load the FTP client in order to save time that way. Just drag it onto an icon. And there are many different applications of this for whatever it is that you're doing with uh, different tools that you have. So that's number four, make macros or droplets. Number five, work in mono. I've already talked in a past episode about the benefits of 
podcasting in mono versus stereo. And if you want to check that out, I have the link in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 166. But in your workflow, working with mono can often cut your processing time in half because when an effect has to be run on a stereo track, the effect often processes it as if it's two tracks. So a stereo track will take twice as long as a mono track. So if you need to do a lot of effects like noise removal or um, normalization or compression or anything like that, consider flattening your audio from stereo to mono and then it will take about half as much time as it would on a stereo file. That's number five, work in mono. Number six, use text expansion tools like Text Expander or Phrase Express. Text expansion is a huge time saver for me in many little and sometimes big ways. Here's some examples of some uses, and I heard a great example of this just today. John Lee Dumas interviewed me in Entrepreneur on Fire. I'll be on his show in late April 2014, and if you'd like to check that out, I know the URL for it will be eofire.com slash Daniel J. Lewis, but that will be in late April 2014. Hint, I announced something in that episode, something exciting that you don't know about, but you won't get to hear about it until late April when the episode publishes. But John knows about it now. It's out there. It's being developed. It's going to be cool. But something that John mentioned, because in our interview, I shared how some of the ways I use Text Expander. He mentioned that he uses the short code EEE. So whenever he types EEE on his keyboard, it inputs entrepreneur on fire. And even the greatest typers out there will probably stumble over the word entrepreneur. It's just one of those words that's a little hard to spell and certainly slows people down as they type. I don't have a problem spelling it, but I do have a problem typing it quickly. As soon as I hit the word entrepreneur, I slow down and type it and get the spelling right, but it's still that slowdown. So it would be great if there was just a quicker way to insert that word. I also do things like simplifying complicated text. Like if I want to insert the full URL for the Audacity to Podcast in a hyperlink, that would be http colon slash slash theaudacitypodcast.com. And sometimes there would be something else to add to it, like I do with show notes. So that would be slash whatever. So what I do is I have a text expansion snippet set up for tap.url, and then I get that full URL, and it asks me if I want to add anything to the end of that URL before inserting it. So that way, if I'm working with Buffer or Twitter programs or anything like that that automatically shortens a URL as soon as it's pasted in, this gives me the opportunity to set that full URL before it pastes in. So that way the full thing gets shortened and it doesn't mess up that bit.ly link or whatever other short link. But this is also a great way to make super complicated hyperlinks super easily. Like for example, I have a short code set up where I type in paypal.pay and I get this full PayPal payment URL, but Text Expander will ask me for two different fields to enter and that is a description and a payment amount. So all I have to do is when I type out paypal.pay, I enter that description of what the service is that I'm charging someone for and the amount that it costs, and it inserts then a PayPal hyperlink for me, 
that goes to that. So all someone has to do is click on that link and then it takes them to PayPal with that information already pre-populated. I also have uh, templates for many different things that I use with text expansion. Like I have a template for consulting requests, for consulting follow-up, for RSS help, for CES booking requests, whenever those come around CES time. And I have many different templates like this where I type out email dot and then something else. And then that inserts this full message with formatting, with multiple paragraphs, with hyperlinks, with with even certain custom inclusions into it. Like I have a checkbox that says whether this person was referred from a particular person or not, or if I want to request certain information from them. So that way, I end up with a complete email that then I can go back over and just customize here and there little things that I may need to. Text expansion's power goes far beyond just replacing a little shortcut with plain text because you can do some really cool things like you can have dynamic fields where it inserts the date or it counts things or inserts the same text that you enter in multiple locations. You can have stuff that in some way uh, processes what's in your clipboard like a an automatic uh, bitly shortener that shortens whatever URL you have copied into your clipboard. It shortens it and then spits out a bitly or a j.mp URL or something like it adds my affiliate code to the end of a particular affiliate link. Anything like that you can do with text expansion and so much more. There are so many great options for this in so many different applications. So if you want to get text expansion, it's not only for Mac, but it's available for Mac in and Windows. And the two apps that I recommend are Text Expander, if you're on Mac, or if you're on Windows, get Phrase Express. And I have affiliate links for both of these in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 166 under point number six, if you want to check these out. I highly recommend them. I love using text expansion. It It's saving the world one character or a bunch of characters at a time, really. And if I, in fact, go into my text expansion app right now and I want to see my own statistics for how many characters I've saved, I'm blown away by this. Here's what Text Expander tells me right now. I have saved 644,917 characters by using text expansion snippets. I've used 8,952 snippets. That doesn't mean I have that many separate snippets, but it means I've typed that many snippets. And my number of hours saved, if I type at 60 words per minute, my number of hours saved is 35.83 hours saved with text expansion. That's pretty cool. I love that. So check out the show notes. If you're interested in buying either of these apps for your computer, for Mac or Windows, check out the show notes for links to Text Expander and Phrase Express and get these. They are amazing. I love them. That's number six. Use Text Expansion like Text Expander or Phrase Express. Number seven, paste without formatting. This may be something that you didn't know there was this option available, but have you ever noticed that sometimes when you copy and paste text from one place to another, you're also getting all of the font sizes, the colors, and any other formatting associated with that text. So when you paste it, 
It might not be Arial. It might be, ugh, Comic Sans because you copied it from your boss's email and pasted it to somewhere else and it pastes in as Comic Sans. Or the color is different or the formatting, spacing, whatever it is. Stuff like that might be different. Many applications offer a an option to paste as plain text or paste without formatting or it might be something like that. This is commonly... Control-Shift-V on Windows and Linux or Command-Shift-V on OS X. In most of the pl- programs that I've seen do this. Like Evernote does this. Chrome uh, web browser does this. In many apps do it like this as well. So I'm pasting in the plain text. This means that then whatever text I paste, instead of carrying over the formatting of whatever I copied, the colors, the fonts, the layout, the the particular italicization or bold or anything like that instead of copying all of that over it inherits the formatting of whatever my target is so if my target is a headline then when i paste in that text from body text it will paste in as a headline the way i want it to or bullet points and all of this so that's paste without formatting and this can often solve many problems you may have where you paste text from another app and you have to go back and change all of the formatting this will help you save time by doing that that's number seven paste without formatting number eight as an extension to number seven write your show notes directly in wordpress i know there are many different apps out there that are work great for writing show notes and writing different things like evernote or google drive or workflowy or even word or anything like that but if you write your show notes or a blog post in these different apps and then paste them into wordpress even if you do paste without formatting you may run into certain issues for example you may get paragraphs squashed together so that they're not really paragraphs they're just one giant paragraph with hard line breaks in between. You don't really want that. You might run into other issues where you actually wanted all of your headings to be heading two instead of heading one, or your pictures don't come over the way that they're supposed to. Many different things like this that can complicate it where you have to go back through your notes or your blog post and correct these things. That's why I recommend write your notes and blog posts directly into WordPress. So you're working with the formatting inside of WordPress And you can hyperlink your things. You can make your special characters in WordPress. You don't have to worry about any weird characters being transitioned over from your other programs or weird formatting. And this means that as you're inserting hyperlinks, formatting, and multimedia, you can do that directly into the text as you're writing it and not have to separate those steps. So writing directly into WordPress instead of in another app and pasting into WordPress will save you that time and frustration. So that's number eight, write show notes directly in WordPress. Number nine, create bookmarks, favorites, and shortcuts. If you regularly use the same tool, the same websites, or the same folders, make some kinds of simple shortcuts to these in the places that are relevant to you. For example, in your web browser, use the bookmarks toolbar to place your most commonly visited pages. Now, don't think websites like CNN.com or Feedly.com or Mashable.com. Don't think things like that. Think about the pages 
you visit the most. Like your WordPress new post page, or maybe it's the create a new pretty link page in your WordPress, or maybe it is Buffer or your Twitter profile for being able to send a new tweet or anything like that. You can also do these things called bookmarklets, which look like a bookmark in your browser, but when you click it, it does something instead of just takes you somewhere. For example, there are bookmarklets for all of the social tools out there, like sharing on LinkedIn, adding to Buffer, adding to Delicious, adding to Evernote, huff-duffing something, adding something to page to RSS, sharing on Pinterest, even something for taking content that you currently have selected on the page and turning it into a WordPress blog post. These are different bookmarklets, and they often work on mobile browsers as well, which is how I use LastPass to be able to sign into websites on mobile browsers. So these things will save you a lot of time by bookmarking the stuff you actually need to frequently visit, not just the stuff that's for reference, but the things you actually go to quite commonly. In your file browser, you could add shortcuts to the common project folders in the sidebar or in the favorites so that it's really easy to quickly access these either from a file browser window or even from a save or open dialog box in a program. This is great because, and I'll have a screenshot of this in the show notes, in OS X on the Finder, there's a sidebar where I can have my favorite list of folders, and I have links there to each of my podcast folders that I frequently need to jump to. So I just click on the side there, and it takes me to that folder. Well, because these are in my favorites, it also means that if I'm in a program where I need to open or save something or import or export, I can also choose these favorites very quickly to jump to wherever it is that I need to import, output, or save or open the particular file. In a project folder, you might want to have a custom shortcut or sometimes called an alias to other commonly accessed files or project folders. For example, in for my Once Upon a Time podcast, I have a folder on my computer, which is where the podcast episodes go. But then my screenshots for the Once Upon a Time TV show save to a different folder on Dropbox. So instead of always having to go navigate from one folder to the other or click Dropbox, then go to the Once Upon a Time shares, then go to the screenshots, what I'll do is inside of my Once Podcast folder, I have a shortcut to the Once Upon a Time screenshots folder. So whenever I'm in one folder, it's very quick and easy to get over to the other folder. That saves me a few seconds of switching around between folders. Inside of your programs, you may even be able to take some of your favorite actions and set them in your favorites menu. Like you can do this in Adobe Audition and other apps, where if there's a particular effect you always like to apply, then you can save that as a favorite, and it's very handy to get to. Sometimes you can even put these in a special palette or create a button in a toolbar that you can use in order to quickly access that favorite thing that you have. That's number nine, create bookmarks, favorites, and shortcuts. Number 10, learn or customize keyboard shortcuts. I probably use several hundred keyboard shortcuts in a single day. Stuff as simple as Command-C for copy, Command-V for paste, or it would be Control-C on Windows and Linux and Control-V. But 
it goes so much more beyond that. You probably know some of the other commands like command or control I to italicize something or command and control B to to make something bold. But some of the other commands you might not know is commonly in many programs, command or control K will take the text you currently have selected and turn it into a hyperlink. If you're writing directly in WordPress, it's a little bit different. It's Alt-Shift-A inside of WordPress. And, you know, things like Command or Control-S will save, but Command-Shift-S or Control-Shift-S will save as. So it's an opportunity for you to create a duplicate of the file that you're working with. And there are many, many other shortcuts like this for different common operations that you may have. So look at these and try to learn them because it's so much quicker to hit these keys on your keyboard than going up to the menu, finding the particular option among many other options and clicking that. This can save you many seconds for every single time you need that task. And while some of these steps, by the way, may sound like, oh, that's just saving five seconds or just saving 10 seconds. If you are saving just 10 seconds per day, or let's say 30 seconds per day with adding up your things. 30 seconds per day is two hours per year. Or if you are really good at optimizing your workflow by simplifying some of these things and implementing some of these simple tricks, and you save five to 15 minutes a day, that right there sounds cool. Well, five or 15 minutes, what more could you do with five or 15 minutes per day? In a year, Of just business days, saving 5 to 15 minutes, that's 21 to 65 hours in a year that you could save just by saving 5 to 15 minutes per day. Keyboard shortcuts can be a great way to help you save this time. And in addition to learning keyboard shortcuts, you may want to set up your own keyboard shortcuts, which many apps will allow you to do where you can specify that this particular command that doesn't have a shortcut gets one. For example, in Audacity, I set up Command-Shift-L on my OS X PC to normalize, to run the normalization effect. And in Adobe Audition, I could set Command-Shift-M to convert from stereo to mono, since that's something I frequently do. But if your program already has some keyboard shortcuts and they're a little bit confusing to you, Go ahead and customize them. What you may find is even that some programs use a standard keyboard shortcut and other programs like to create their own standard. This even happens with some of the Adobe programs. For example, in Adobe InDesign, which is a page layout program, Control or Command E will export the current project so I can create a PDF of my design. But in Adobe Audition and Adobe Premiere Pro, if I want to export the video or the audio, or I want to render it, instead of it being control or command E, it's control or command M. So that could be where I could change both of those apps to E. So all I have to remember is instead of trying to keep in mind in this program, it's M, in this program, it's E, just know that in every program, it's E. I have recently gotten an Xbox 360, and there are two games I primarily play on it. That is uh, Modern Warfare 3 and Halo 4. These two games have the control set up a little bit differently. And I found that when transitioning from one game to the other, I had a horrible time. I was playing horribly 
because I kept pressing the wrong buttons, thinking that, oh, this button is what throws the grenade, and no, that's what zooms in on my sniper rifle. Or, oh, this button is the button that zooms in on my sniper rifle, and oh, nope, that threw a grenade. Okay, quick, run. So what I did is I just went in, I customized it, so now all of the games I play use similar buttons and controls so I can be much more effective and not have to try and remember the different the differences between each of these games. By the way, if you want to friend me on Xbox 360, now that I've mentioned it, you can look me up at SGT Packet, Sergeant Packet. Yeah, that's from my clean comedy podcast, The Ramen Noodle. So look at ways that you can learn or customize your keyboard shortcuts. That's number 10. So again, these 10 super simple tricks for speeding up your podcasting workflow are Number one, change file associations. Number two, use an FTP client for uploading podcast media. Number three, use templates. Number four, make macros or droplets. Number five, work in mono. Number six, use text expander or phrase express. Number seven, paste without formatting. Number eight, write show notes directly into WordPress. Number nine, create bookmarks, favorites, and shortcuts. And number 10, learn or customize keyboard shortcuts. Each of these may take you a few minutes to set up, and it may be a little bit of a struggle to learn how to really take advantage of these, but please trust me, once you do take advantage of these, you'll find yourself saving time. There are so many of these things, like one of the things that I do is I watch uh, both Help a Reporter Out and Radio Guest List for any time that there might be a podcast or a news source that I'd like to contribute some information to. So I have gone through this process before of I'll click on it and I'll have to write out this completely custom email. Well, I realized most of my emails are pretty much the same. So now I've made templates for these. So I just type something quickly out and I customize a couple things here or there, maybe add an extra paragraph or an extra sentence. But most of the work is already done for me. So it saves me so much more time and it allows me to send more of these emails or to follow up quicker with consulting clients or to send out the information or request information that I need much more quickly. These things really add up very quickly and they can save you a lot of time. The more podcast episodes that you produce, the more time that this will save you. And that can add up to many hours in a year of time that you've saved. So I would love to hear from you What little tasks have you been able to hack in order to save some time in your podcasting workflow? And since I spend a lot of time talking about text expansion, I'd love to know what are some of your favorite text expansion snippets. And if you're interested in some of the ones that I mentioned, just comment on the show notes and I might go back and insert some of these or maybe I'll release some of these as a special little product or something that you could get in order to use some of these custom text expansion snippets on your own. But I'd love to see your thoughts and some of the things that you're doing to speed up your workflow. Please comment on the show notes over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 166 and share with me your time-saving little tips and tricks for your podcasting workflow and, if you use text expansion, your favorite snippets. I've got three cool announcements for you. Number one, Podcast Movement is now open for regular registration. If you didn't get in on the crowdfund campaign, 
then you miss the opportunity to save some money on the early bird discount, but you can still get a regular ticket now by signing up for the Podcast Movement Conference. And I now have an affiliate link that you can get in the show notes for this episode or any of the past episodes or go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash podcastmovement. I will be speaking there and so will so many other great podcasters and it will be really cool. It's a podcast conference by podcasters and for podcasters all about podcasting. What a novel idea. It will be awesome. Check that out. I have the link in the show notes. I'll also be speaking at the Mad Anthony Writers Conference near Cincinnati in early April. I'm really looking forward to this because I'll be the keynote speaker at this conference and I'll be talking about writing in today's online world, how to start a WordPress site, and of course, how to start a podcast and why you should start a podcast and a couple other topics that I'll be covering there at the conference. I'm really excited about that. If you're interested in that, check the link in the show notes for episode 166. And finally, Blueberry now has a promo code that I can give you if you want to try out their premium stats or their premium media hosting for free for a month. Just use the promo code NOODLE, that's N-O-O-D-L-E, over at Blueberry.com. I have a link to that as well in the show notes, or you can just use that promo code when you get to their site, because I really, really like their stats. And Blueberry makes uploading to media hosting really easy too, because instead of having to have an FTP client, you can just upload your media file directly into your WordPress post while you're creating your post. So you don't have to visit other websites or load separate programs or tag your ID3 files. Blueberry's media hosting even tags your MP3 files with the ID3 information for you. So that right there could be a huge way for you to save time with your podcasting workflows to use Blueberry's premium media hosting. And I love their premium stats too that come with any of their media hosting levels. So check that out and use the promo code NOODLE to sign up. Definitely check out the last two episodes where I talk more in depth about certain aspects of podcasting workflow and get my free pre-flight checklist by going to theaudacitypodcast.com slash pre-flight. I've got some really cool things under development right now coming very soon. The best way to hear about that is be on my email newsletter list, which you're subscribing for if you go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash pre-flight. Please let me know if you have any questions or things that you'd like me to cover in a future episode or you need help podcasting and getting started or improving your podcast, like with Podcast Masterclass. Just email me feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to theaudacitypodcast.com on your computer or iOS device to send a voice message right through the website to me. And now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go podcast to share your passions and find success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to Podcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.